Welcome to the Rawness Podcast, episode 13. I, of course, am your host and just massively beautiful person, Josh Lewis, the founder, editor, and all things amazing with rawness.com. Just to get a few things out of the way, please, if you don't mind, uh, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you listen to find other podcasts or other fine podcasts. Let's do that. <laughs> um, rate us or rate me, I should say. And then, uh, yeah, share us with everybody else. Go on YouTube, subscribe, you know, like every video possible. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Raw Autos on there as well. You know, all that normal stuff. This week on episode 13 is a good friend of mine, a journalist friend of mine, Derek Shacky, somebody that I think that you should know about. That's why I'm having him on. And maybe some of you already know who he is. I know if he's listening to this, he happens to know who he is. Um, he has great self-worth. He knows what he's worth. He's invested in himself. Uh, Derek is a is an interesting journalist because obviously he gets cars all the time. Uh, he's in Texas, uh, where I am not. <laughs> he goes on many press trips. Uh, he tests pretty much anything and everything. Uh, and he tests for multiple outlets. But he mainly has a, or not mainly, but he does have a YouTube channel called There Will Be Cars. Also, There Will Be Cars on Instagram. Uh, so follow him, follow him on both of those platforms and uh, show some love and support to him. Um, yeah, let's just, you know, kind of kick this off and talk. I don't know what you've been doing with your downtime while sitting at home. Uh, technically, in most cases, doing nothing. Uh, we're doing a little bit of something, right? Everybody, I feel like every day is doing a little bit of something. But for the most part, not a whole lot. Uh, at least that's with me. I've been binging Community on Netflix again because I binged it on Hulu years ago. Now that it's on Netflix, I've been watching it every day. My wife is giving me shit for it, but that's okay because I love it. Um, yeah, what else can I say? Oh, my wife and I found a little kitten. Well, she found the kitten. Uh, we both took it in. Uh, we're going to take it to the vet uh, to make sure. There are some stray cats in our neighborhood uh, and... Uh, we found this one kitten, or she found the one kitten, I should say, again. Uh, and she brought it home. Well, she said, what should I do with it? And I said, bring it home immediately. Uh, obviously, that's what she would have done anyway. Um, but I think in the moment, she was just like, oh, my God, I found this little tiny kitten. And it's about five weeks old, it seems, uh, because it's eating and drinking on its own. Uh, my wife is downstairs uh, with it right now. Uh, biggest thing we have to do is we have to keep it away from our two other dogs and our other cat and we have to wash our hands and wash ourselves. So while we're washing ourselves and our hands, because you know, we don't want the coronavirus, we're having to wash and bleach ourselves again because, uh, you know, we have a cat that's a little kitten that we don't know if it has anything. So we're having to keep it separated for right now. Uh, we have an appointment, a uh, vet appointment in a couple days to take it in. Uh, it, we have figured out it is a boy, it's a very cute little kitten, um, is absolutely attached to my wife, uh, like nothing else and uh, a little jealous, a little jealous, but that's okay. Um, so we'll see, you know, what happens with the kitten in terms of, you know, any issues. Um, but I'm excited cause we already have two dogs and a cat 
and we'll probably just add another cat to our <laughs> to our lives and we will be even more outnumbered than we were before uh we have we have chosen a temporary name uh i've always joked with my wife that forever that the the next set of animals that i get in my life will be named after my favorite comedians that's why in order for her to talk me into us getting our second dog uh we have luna who is a half siberian husky half jack russell terrier uh i know i call her the non-consensual dog because that was not consensual between us two uh my wife adopted luna uh about eight months about eight months or so before we started dating maybe nine months ten months whatever something like that and then um when we moved into our house uh, we had adopted a little uh, two, three months old cat that uh, a friend of ours found at a construction site. So before we moved into our house, we were living with my parents who had two German Shepherd dogs, <laughs> sisters, and my our dog Luna gets along with them extremely well. They're like, you'd think they had grown up together. Uh, so we didn't want to put the cat in a, in a stressful environment like that, you know, just at a couple months old. So a friend of ours took her in for a month uh, while we were about to move into our house. And they had two kittens, or you know, two cats about the same age. Um, so, yeah, it worked out. We brought Ollie. So she's named Ollie after uh, Olympia, uh, one of the first sites of the Olympics. Um, and also because my wife is uh, a an Olympic weightlifter, semi-professional Olympic weightlifter, nationally ranked, all that good stuff. So her name is Ollie, O-L-Y, for Ollie Lifting. And um, then we have a Border Collie that we adopted and that we found. And her name is Carlin. <laughs> so in order for my wife to convince me that we should get another dog, she goes, we can call her Carlin. Because George Carlin is my favorite comedian. Yeah. That was that. I, I was not... I. Uh, you can't say no at that point. So this little kitten, we have a temporary name. Uh, we've gone with Pryor uh, after Richard Pryor. Uh, I love Richard Pryor. He's obviously one of my favorite comedians of all time. And what's interesting is that Ollie, so Luna is white with brown spots on her. Um, and Ollie is white with some brown spots on her. Carlin is predominantly black with white paws. Um, in fact, one of her paws looks like she just has like a, a really long sock on. Well, this cat prior is black with white paws <laughs> and a partially white nose and snout. So it's, he's extremely cute. Um, so yeah, of course the dogs and both of our dogs are going crazy. They're crying like crazy because they want to meet this cat. They can't, um, <laughs> they're obsessed and our uh, Ollie, our cat, is uh, very weirded out. She doesn't know what to do. Uh, she's used to being the only uh, wannabe dog cat in our house. So we'll see how this works out. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm going through right now. And also over the weekend, I did, uh, I completely rearranged my office. I'm extremely excited by it because I had just been having random stuff kind of thrown around. Um, everything had been slightly, you know, pretty organized, you know, like I have a, um, <clears throat> I have a, uh, a, a husky tool chest with uh, big drawers and everything that actually holds all my cameras and lenses, recorders, microphones, you know, all that good stuff. 
And then I have a, uh, like a wall pegboard. I have four of those put together in my closet. I took the closet doors off and in my closet wall inside of it is, uh, uh, these pegboards about four feet by four feet. And I have, you know, wires and, you know, most important stuff to me, HDMI cables, um, uh, audio cables, uh, cables for my, uh, uh, black magic pocket cinema camera, 4k, my GH five, stuff like that. Um, and I have a, you know, my, my desk, I have this big six and a half or what is it? Six. It's a little over six feet long. Uh, it's this big, uh, dining table. It's about four feet deep. Uh, but it's an actual Ikea dining table. And, uh, it's pretty cool. It's white. You can actually write on it with uh, dry erase pens and you can wipe it right off. Um, so this is where I have my mixing board and I have a Panasonic G85 on a, like a, um, like a monitor arm. Uh, yeah, like a big monitor arm, a really tall monitor arm. And it has my G85, has a microphone, and then it has a, an overhead light. And all that is pointing straight at me. So that way I can do little videos right there as well. I have a, a writing table in here uh, behind my desk or to the, the right of my desk. So that way I can make videos there as well. And I got a whole setup. So, yeah. My office is coming together. I have 50-inch 4K TV in here uh, on the opposite wall of my desk um, with an Xbox attached to it. Love my little office in here, actually. It's a... It's a one of our bedrooms, one of our extra bedrooms. And, uh, oh, and I also have a big gray backdrop that, uh, that rolls, rolls down from the ceiling over my windows. So that way I can have a completely, completely dark room at any point in time. <sighs> yeah. So that's me. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're washing your hands. Hope you're, you know, doing all the good stuff that you're supposed to be doing anyway. Um, just remember before we get started, uh, we're only doing two podcasts this week. And by we're, I mean me, uh, I'm only doing two podcasts this week and the next week, two podcasts. So Monday and Friday for both weeks. And then after that, we go to a once per week schedule every Monday. And, uh, yeah, but you know, without further ado, let's welcome our first guest for this week. And by first, I mean, only please give a big round of applause for my good friend. Hey, I don't hear you clapping there in the back clap. I want to hear clapping. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Let's hear it for Derek Shecky. How are you doing? How are you holding up? Doing well, man. Uh, considering the circumstances, very fortunate. Uh, you know, loved ones, friends are all, you know, safe, healthy. Uh, going a little stir crazy from time to time, but in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> could be a lot worse. Uh, right. very, very lucky. Yeah. What about you, man? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm not too stir crazy, uh, only because I just don't really get that stir crazy. Because if I get stir crazy, I find something else I can do. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, she gets stir crazy being in the house for an hour. So she's working <laughs> from home. But the good thing is, you know, she works for local city, so she still has a full time job. She's good. She's still getting paid. You know, she's still doing oh, stuff. Oh, great, man! But she's, you know, in home. You know, working in home. Um, and, but you know what we have, we have two stories. We have 2,175 square feet. We have a, you know, about a quarter of an acre, you know, not a huge yard or anything, but we have two dogs and a cat. My wife likes to go out. I just bought her a hammock. That is one of those ones that actually has like the weights in the bottom of it. So she can just swing in that. Oh, okay. And, and so she's got that in the backyard. We, I put up a, um, I have a golf, um, 
I have a little golf net that uh, that uh, I have stakes that goes in the ground in the corner of our of our yard, and then we hit golf balls into the net. Uh, it's just a little tiny one. We have. Oh yeah, uh, I saw your uh, <clears throat> my Instagram uh, video. Instagram. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I have that, and then we've. I bought since then. I've bought some little. Um, my wife was. Uh, she actually uh, uh, had a scholarship to play soccer in, in college. Um, so I bought these two little like four foot by four foot goals that sit on either side of our fence. We've been uh, playing a little playing a little soccer, you know, with that. Um, so is she smoking you? Oh, dude, she always kills me. Although I will say, <laughs> even though I'm 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 chubby and she is not, <laughs> she's you know of course in incredible shape. I'm not. Um, she always says that she is forever impressed at how nimble and agile I am when it comes to like when we play any sports whatsoever she's always she's always astounded that i can bend you know my body in weird ways even for being a chubby man um so yeah i mean take that for what it's worth <laughs> it might be worth something to somebody hey, that's, that's great man yeah you got good footwork you know i've always i've always been pretty lucky even when i was uh weightlifting competitively i've always had good ankles and you know good uh um Good form, so I've always been very lucky with that. Um, even though I've always just been lazy as hell, but I mean, just that's the biggest problem is just my laziness. But other than that, I mean, oh hey, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Two out of three ain't bad. You know what? I, I married a hottie, so you know, like, um, I'm, I'm good. I'm and life is pretty good. You know, this is pretty easy. Oh yeah. You know, just do as she says. I'm fine. <laughs> that that always helps. Always helps. It always, and you're you're getting into. You know, you are in a relationship, and how oh, are yeah. you, how are you guys doing? Being holed up together, essentially. Oh, I mean, great. You know, uh, well, for the most part, we're kind of homebodies anyway. But I mean, you know, I think what it is, it's the sort of psychology of it is like we like you know staying in, watching movies a lot of times, you know, uh, but just knowing that you know places aren't open, you can't go out to them. I think you know that kind of makes the days kind of blur together mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but yeah you know uh <laughs> haven't killed each other so uh you know, <laughs> doing, doing well and uh you know spending uh, the great thing is, is like you know she normally works in an office um past downtown and you know i work from home but uh through this just like your wife you know she's been able to to work from home work remotely uh you know it hasn't been you know negatively impacted like so many other people have uh Thank fortunately God. for us so key yeah and uh oh yeah and then you know we um a lot of times we like work on the couch together or you know sometimes i gotta work in a different room if she's listening to music you mm -hmm. know because i you know can't concentrate when that's on but you know it's nice to just be around her actually during the day and then she doesn't have to make the uh, long commute each way so she's loving it and you know i've got a lot to be thankful for you know just having her around more yeah yeah of course yeah and you're still reviewing cars right you're still getting press cars yeah you know and that's that's another thing i mean thinking about all this like you know of course there's you know people in the medical uh industry you know taking care of people um just risking their lives to you know take right. care of people and do like these what just seems like such a heart-wrenching devastating uh necessary thing and then of course you know police firefighters grocery workers people that work at the uh at restaurants and you know sanitation but then you know 
I figured, you know, uh, when it came down to, you know, oh, well, essential uh, services only, you know, I thought, well, me getting a press car is, in the grand scheme of things, not an essential thing. Right. But, you know, the fleet services in in, uh, my area, you know, uh, I'm about three or so hours away from the hub where my press cars come from. Mm -hmm. Um, They have been, they have not missed a beat. Like they've, they've kept them coming. And, uh, you know, I would have understood it on my end, like not getting a car because it's like me not getting one of those is not like, this essential thing, but I realize like it keeps them employed. So that's yeah. great. You know, like they're making the run and they've been very like, there hasn't been a gap in service or a delay. And then on top of that, like they're sanitizing the cars and they're making the drop-offs and exchanges completely contact free. So it's just uh, incredible what they're doing. I mean, the thoughtfulness and the, uh, total lack of any sort of downtime yeah that is amazing and you gotta admit it is weird to have a contactless uh you know press car delivery because we're so used to you know you you come in contact you say hi you know hey you know here's the keys to this oh here's the keys to that you know sometimes you know you might have to sign something every once in a while um that's it's but it's it's got to feel kind of weird that you 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 just basically look and wave from a window right yeah, like, you know, what was it, last week they brought the uh, Lexus GSF, and I, I went out when they were dropping it off, and, you know, I'm on the second floor, and the guy's down, you know, ground level, and I'm just, like, <laughs> waving to him from from the deck, you know. I mean, it's it, it was as social as it could be, right. given the circumstances. But, you know, there, yeah, there's no handshake or anything like that. Yeah, because usually with my guys that that drop off cars now, obviously you know right now they're trying to basically they're delivering to who's most important, and I'm in a small area in North Carolina, so I'm not the most vital to get cars, right? Which is fine, I totally mm-hmm. understand. Uh, so they're dropping off to more vital people, like Dan Neal lives near me, Ezra Dyer's not oh. far away; he's about an hour and a half, two hours from me. So those people are oh, the most wow. vital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, is right. Yeah, Dan is twenty about twenty twenty five minutes away from me. Um, mm-hmm. because whenever they deliver a car from, uh, to me that Dan's already had, they just call me from Dan's house and say, we're at Dan's house. We'll be there. And you know, and tw- they usually give me a 30 minute window, but from Dan's house, it's only 20, 30 or 20, 25 minutes to my house. So they, you know, they just basically have to call me when they get to his house and say, we'll be leaving mm-hmm. here in another five minutes getting to your house. Right. And, um, but I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not bothered by the fact that I'm not considered, you know, essential in terms of who they're dropping off to. That that doesn't affect me because I have other ways to, you know, to create content for people, i.e. podcast. Um, yeah, there you go. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, usually when they show up to my house, I mean, I talk to them for, you know, 5, 10, sometimes 15 minutes, you know, and, and just kind of chit-chat. Oh, you know, kind of ask them their opinion of the car that they had driven, you know, how much they like it or, you know, whatnot. Of course, they always like it because... What's not to like about driving free cars in a sense, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Well, and especially if you love driving. I mean, well, granted, they've got a short trip to you, but, I mean, my guys, it's three hours each way. So, I mean, they're going on road trips every day. Yeah, you know? right, right. And it's, I mean, but you know what? I mean, those guys are those guys are great anyway. I mean, all the all the fleet companies I've worked with, 
all the drivers, like I just respect the hell out of them because they're they're always nice people. They're always very you know gracious and 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 kind and and very relaxed. Um, I did have years ago um, because I live kind of in a small country town, and there is hunting, there is gunshots sometimes. You'll hear you'll hear different things, and um, I you know I'm used to that. I've lived in the country for for most of my life, even though I'm from Baltimore, which. I hear gunshots there all the time too when I'm there. Uh, so I'm just used yeah, to different gun- kind, different kind of gunshots. Yeah, you hear, you know, you hear a gunshot and then a scream versus down here you hear a gunshot and you know it was probably a deer. You know, uh, <laughs> oh boy, you might hear hooves. You know, it's a, it's a little bit different. But um, I was uh, one of the guys. It was a God. I want to say he was a, a Cuban gentleman. I can't remember, but uh, he had dropped off a car to me. We were just chit chatting. And there were about two or three gunshots that rang out from a rifle you could hear, right? And uh, and he genuinely, I felt so bad for him, he genuinely just jumped and ducked behind the, the car. And I'm looking oh, at him boy. like, eyes wide open, looking at him like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I just heard gunshots. You didn't hear that? I was like, I heard that, but that's pretty normal around here. He's like, that's normal? <laughs> I was like... Yes, rather normal around these parts. Yes, you will hear gunshots in the middle of the day. Somebody's shooting somewhere because the county we live in, you need um, you need two acres of land in order to shoot on your own property. You need a minimum of two acres of land, and you can shoot <clears throat> you can shoot downhill into a berm of sorts. So you can shoot on your own property here as well. So I was telling him that, and he's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> It's like, well, welcome to the South. <laughs> yeah, I guess he, he's definitely from out of town. Yeah, right. You're not from around these parts, are you? Um, so <laughs> the GSF, Lexus GSF, what did you think of that? It it kind of took some getting used to um, because, you know, it is it is obviously their highest performance version of the GS. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my mind <laughs> automatically goes to, you know, cars and that's, around the same size, you know, like the M5, the mm-hmm. E63S. And, um, you know, it's just completely different. I mean, on paper, obviously, because, you know, E63S wagon that I that I uh, tested a while ago, you know, it's 603 horsepower. Yeah, you know, supercar. And it's twin turbo. You know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you get in GSF, and, you know, it's 5-liter V8, but it's naturally aspirated. So you, you don't get the same sensation and it's definitely not the same amount of power but yeah it's a super nice like car by comparison <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean you know i i love the way that um you know all the controls fell to hand and you know like other lexus vehicles i've tested you know it had this feeling of cohesiveness it felt mm-hmm. like every piece put together was put together with such tight tolerances it was so I think the word, the best word to describe it uh, is best words to describe it are buttoned down mm-hmm. and not over torqued, mm-hmm. not out of balance or anything, but just so like well put together mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah, so well buttoned down. There's no twist in the interior parts. You know, like you take a hard corner, you don't you don't see or feel something twisting and bending, um, and also you're not grabbing onto pieces, feeling like you can just yank them right off, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, fit and finish is, is great. Although, you know, I mean, they use like that sort of, uh, what do you call 
it, that, that microfiber in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it looks cool and it's very sporty. It's just, I think about like, you know, how you can't, <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a neurotic thing because this isn't, you know, what a person's first thought typically is when it comes to that car. But I, for some reason, like I kept looking at it and I was like, Ooh. You know, if you own one of these for a few years, you can't just like get a wipe and wipe down those areas. No. You know, like you have to basically vacuum it or, or brush it, you know. But um, yeah, it, it uh, you know, it just kind of took a little, a uh, little getting used to mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of, you know, having experienced, you know, more powerful, you know, turbo cars and everything. <clears throat> but, um, you know, there's definitely a lot to like about it. That's why when you're talking about the, you know, that those inserts that they do in the seats and stuff. So I have a, you know, I have the GT350 and in that, so I have the Alcantara steering wheel and then I have like the, that Alcantara style insert in the, in the cloth Recaros, right? And Mm -hmm. it's great, but it's really difficult to keep clean. Number one. Number two, the steering wheel, even after 15,000 miles, you can see where my hand has been most of the time, right? And that's just a pain, you know, because I drive mainly with my left hand on the, obviously on the left side of the steering wheel at, at you know, uh, nine o'clock. And then my elbow is on the windowsill. And that's why I always preferred where um, Porsche for their 50th anniversary, 911, they did a they did a cloth insert. Um, and then for the E90 series M3, the previous generation M3 they did a cloth insert and I much prefer a cloth insert to, you know, like a microfiber or like a suede or, or, or any type of Alcantara because the, the cloth is so much easier. You can put some scotch guard on it and you're fine. You, that, that cloth is going to stay clean, relatively clean by comparison because modern cloth is actually, you know, higher end cloth that they do is really good, really nice. Um, oh yeah. But it's not seen as premium, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, Alcantara and all the, you know, the synthetic sort of suede, Mm -hmm. I mean, they look really cool and automakers have done a great job of making that synonymous with high performance and high end cars. But you know, when it's on a steering wheel to me, even though it's got that sort of like nap to it, like to me, sometimes I find it a little too slick. Like I would, it can be, yeah. I would rather have like a regular leather steering wheel. Yes, you know, because sometimes, sometimes like, yeah. it's so fine, you know, like it feels like my hand glides over it in certain parts. Yeah, you really have to be, it's where it really becomes sticky is if you happen to be wearing any gloves. Um, if you happen, if you wear like racing gloves, not driving gloves, like leather driving gloves, I think are just even more slick. And also I, I don't wear leather driving gloves because um, I'm just, I don't drive a TVR from, you know, 1991. Uh, and, you know, I also don't drive, uh, you know, an old um, Triumph TR7 from the 1970s. Uh, but I, if you, if you actually wear a racing glove, the Alcantara <clears throat> steering wheels, it is like, it's like putting stick on your hands. That's <laughs> really what it is. It's like the wheel is it's like the is, other half of Velcro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you're like, Oh, this is much nicer, you know? Um, but yeah, Alcantara as a daily as a daily thing. Ooh, it's terrible. Um, I I have long thought about replacing my steering wheel with. I, there's a company out there I think that makes like an Alcantara top rim and Alcantara bottom rim, but a leather uh, three and nine section. 
And I, oh, I, okay. I feel like I'd much rather have that on my car because of how much I do drive it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I've had it since August of 2018 and I've put 15,000 miles on it, which is not an insane amount of mileage. It's not a, you know, cause I've had press cars in the meantime, you know, I've had, um, um, uh, my dad's F-150 that I've had for like the last eight months, just been using that off and on for things. And, um, so, you know, 15,000 miles is not a lot, but once you see what 15,000 miles does to the interior of a performance car, ugh, <laughs> it's just, it's gross. It's, you know, my car is just gross all the time, no matter what I do. <laughs> if you're not a professional cleaning these cars, like I'm not meticulous about cleaning my cars. anyway. People, everybody makes fun of me because yes, I wash my cars. I do clean them out, but I'm not meticulous for one reason. I think for me personally, I actually like a little bit of dirt on the car. I like the way it looks because I, I think, oh, that that gets used. You know, that gets appreciated. Yeah, it's lived in. Yeah, it's lived in. It's not in. a museum specimen. Exactly. And that's one of the things I love about my GT350 is that as a daily car, 526 horsepower, 429 pound-feet of torque, um, it, it's, to me, it's, it's perfect. 13 and a half cubic feet of trunk space, which is 0.4 bigger than an E-Class Mercedes. It only has 13.1. I have 13.5. So take that, Benz. And um, it's, I mean, I'm only averaging 17.4 miles to the gallon for my whole 15, 16,000 miles I've been driving it. I think I'm actually at like 15,600, I think is what I am right now. But so it's not great gas mileage, but I love it. It's comfortable for me. Even though I'm fat, I fit in the Recaros just nicely. I love the way it drives. It's perfect. It's it's the car I want every day for the rest of my life, unless I can get a GT three or a GT three in its place. That's the only car I'll, I think <laughs> I'll ever replace it with. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually actively thinking about replacing this with a 2019 GT three fifty, um, mainly because I want the Bang and Olufsen sound system. Oh, okay. Yes, the 2019 that became an option for the GT three fifties. And speaking of GT three fifties. You've just had a GT500. Yes, amazingly. I had no idea my area was going to get one this soon. And uh, my fleet guy said, well, hey, you're the first one in the area to get it. And I was like, oh, yeah, sign me up. That is absolutely incredible, the fact that, I mean, how much did you love that car? You're the second person I've had on the podcast that that has had a GT350. And what? Oh yeah. On a scale of one to ten, where's it sit? Uh, nine or ten, man. I just, you know, it's one of those cars where, you know, there, like to me, you know, there's only like a handful of cars that I just really didn't enjoy. For the most part, the cars I drive, you know, I, I like them, you know, at a, up to a certain baseline, and then mm-hmm. obviously some more than others, right? Mm-hmm. But there are a few there aren't that many where I can truly say first thought that comes to mind is that the more I drive it, the more I like it. And the GT 500 was one of those cars because, you know, I mean, I, I think that was the, just for context, I think that was the 11th different version of the S 550 Mustang that I've tested since 2015. And you know, they all have something to like, you know, whether it's the steering and like the EcoBoost models or the sound right. of like the, you know, GT or the heritage of the bullet 
mm-hmm. you know, um, they, they're all, you know, I found something to like about all of those, you know, but this, I mean, it was, it had that innate likability, but then it also, you know, it was one of those cars that it, it, it wasn't just like, Oh, well, I like this because it's the top of the line, most powerful one. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, you know, it, it was so likable. It wasn't even about like the stats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it could have been less powerful and I would have liked it just as much. But as far as the power goes, one thing that made it even more enjoyable wasn't just the fact that, oh yeah, it's a lot, you get on it and it's quick and all that. But it was just the fact that like I felt so comfortable getting into it. You know, like I didn't really feel like it felt so good at putting that kind of power down. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about the back end breaking loose or anything like that. It was just it made it seem as as weird as this sounds. It made 760 horsepower feel normal in a good way, <laughs> like the best way. Yeah. I feel like that's where we're where we're going. It, You know, I think about my dad had a C6 ZR1. Uh, a 2010 mm-hmm. back in, I think, 2011, I think is when he had it. 2011, 2012, something like that. He bought it from a friend of his. And mm-hmm. I remember driving that car, 604 horsepower, 600 and I think 38 pound-feet of torque, right? And No, 638 horse. Well, 638 horse. Thank you. 604 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I remember driving that car, and I, I used to drive it, I probably drove it a dozen times, right, over a period of you know time. And I thought this car is a buttercup. He had, the car he had previous to that was a 2009 Z06, mm-hmm. and the Z06 was ridiculously raw. And then I I drove the ZR1 and I was like, this is it's like a it feels like a standard Corvette until you actually want it to be something more. And yeah. I I that shocked the hell out of me. And so you're the second person that said something similar about the GT500 where it's like it feels normal until you're ready for it to be more. Um it's at your fingertips and it's at your control. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, obviously like with any powerful car, especially with that much power, you know, you got to be mindful of it and you got to have a respect for right. the amount of firepower you're wielding and just for physics in general, but I never felt like I never felt that that caution ruining my enjoyment of the car Mm -hmm. you know it just it was so accessible it was so you know uh, yeah just usable which is so funny because I remember I mean just what 10-15 years ago you get into an AMG and it felt insane and now I mean (laughs) and those cars had like 580 horsepower you know or 600 horsepower right at and then now all of a sudden it's like it feels normal and natural. <laughs> you know, we've got, we've got the, uh, the Hellcat, the demon, uh, the Hellcat red eye. You've got the GT 500. You have the, uh, the outgoing C seven ZR one, the outgoing C seven Z O six. And you oh, look, yeah. you look at all these cars, you go, wow, what, where did we, how did we get here? Which is weird because actually these, this is, not necessarily unlike, I mean, 500, 600 horsepower is what some of the old classic muscle cars had. They just never told you that's how much they had, you know? Um, <laughs> they just didn't want you to yeah, know for it, insurance reason. 
Yeah, they, they uh, I think they invented the uh, whole air quotes thing. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. They make 325 horsepower. <laughs> you know, I thought I was hot stuff the first time I got into a 427 Corvette and was able to drive it. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I drove it, and it's it's bad to the bone, right? And then I remember for years thinking like, oh, man, I would never buy a 327 Corvette because it's just a whim. And then I got into a 327 Corvette, and I drove it as an adult going, this is plenty. Oh, my God. 350 horsepower <laughs> from a 1967 Corvette. Oh, my God. I was so wrong. This is This is plenty. This is fine. And I just remember thinking to myself, you idiot, 350 horsepower in a 1967 Corvette is, is fantastic. 450, 500, my God, light my hair on fire, for God's sake. It, it's, it, it's the weirdest thing. And now my daily driver is a 526 horsepower, you know, what, what would be considered a monster by some standards. And then I've seen people when they buy them, they supercharge them. And then, you know, now with the, the GT500 coming out, I'm going... Holy hell! <laughs> I didn't know 526 was for weaklings. You know, it's like God. I feel like such a, a wimp getting into. I feel like I'm getting into a V6 Camaro sometimes. Oh, I know, man. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I, I guess my perspective is is skewed because because I'm. You know, I feel like you. You know, like 526, especially for a daily. I mean, that's that's a lot. That's right. Plenty, yeah. but you know, you go on. You go on. Uh, well, what I was going to say is like, you know, since we're in press cars all the time, obviously, you know, we can't modify them. So there's right. a built in sort of um, psychology of like, OK, well, this this is what it is. Mm -hmm. This is all I know in terms of uh, behind the wheel experience. But, yeah, you watch, you know, enough YouTube videos and you start to you can start to feel like gosh, I'm, I'm a conformist. Like, you know, this is a lot of horsepower to me, but somebody automatically, they get a GT500, they, you know, convert it to E85, and they, they do, you know, all sorts of mods to it, and immediately 760 is just a starting point for them. Like, a, right out of the box. Oh, yeah, which is insane. Because, I mean, look, more power to anybody. I mean, I, I was talking to Jamie Kitman a couple weeks ago, and I was saying that, I don't think we need to mandate what people can and can't do with their cars. I don't I don't like the idea of telling people what they are and are not allowed to do. It's not my cup of tea. However, I don't see the need for most of these cars. You know, I don't see the need for somebody to modify, you know, a Corvette to a thousand horsepower. More power to anybody. It's your money. It's your time. It's your life. Whatever. You know, it's not hurting me. Just don't run into me or my car or my house, whatever. I don't care. Um but it's it is crazy that people do start out with you know it was a perfect example with the C6 and the C7 Corvettes standard Corvettes with mm -hmm. Z51 package I think are fantastic right um, and then you get up to the Grand Sport and I'm like where where would you ever need more than a Grand Sport the Grand Sport C7 Corvette is to me far superior to the Z06 and the ZR1 right. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say, you're kind of like, eh, I don't know, I disagree. But I think that the I see people taking these cars and supercharging them or, you know, doing like twin turbo setups and they do, you know, 800, 900 horsepower. And I think, what are you doing with that every day 
Like at what point are you actually, do you feel like you're getting even 70% of that performance or that uh, value for dollar out of that car, right? I mean, do you yeah, agree? I mean, do you disagree? Drag it or drag it. Dragging, yeah, of course. Dragging or tracking is you know a different story. If these people are actually doing it and they know how to drive it, different story, right? <clears throat> but I don't know. As a daily car, I'm kind of like, eh. Oh, sorry. My dog is barking. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> my dog is obviously does not agree with anything I just said. She's like, more horsepower, the better. Um, yeah. <laughs> my dog just called Part of me. the tuner mafia. Yeah, the tuner mafia. And she just she just nudged my my uh, office door open and just came in to see how I'm doing because uh, she oh. knows when she knows when she barks she's she's not supposed to bark. Um, but anyway, oh okay, yeah, she's not supposed to, even though she barks. She's a dog, you know. My wife gets on her. I don't really get on her. I don't really care. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> sorry, my wife just pulled pulled uh, Luna and my dog out of the out of the office and closed the door. So uh, this is, by the way, this is making the podcast. It's staying in. Um, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. That's how professional we are. So it's very natural. What are some of the, yeah, exactly. Uh, what are some of the other cars you've had recently? Because I know that you've, you do a lot. You've done a lot of trucks and SUVs lately, haven't you? Let's see. Yeah. Um, you know, in fact, one of the uh, shameless plug here, uh, one of the uh, most recent video reviews I published on my YouTube channel, There Will Be Cars was a 1,400-mile uh, road trip that I took in the 2020 Wrangler Unlimited Sahara with the Eco Diesel in it. How was that? It was, I, I mean, it was great. I wish we had more time, uh, you know, where we ended up going. So um, I'll try to, you know, make a long story short. But uh, my girlfriend's uh, brother and uh, some of her old friends live in El Paso, and we're in Austin. So from Austin to El Paso, it's about 550 miles each way. And, you know, it, it just, uh, we typically drive it, you know, so I thought, well, you know, I want to get something for the trip that, uh, I'd been itching to get one of the Wrangler eco diesels to test out anyway. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened they had one available, you know, around then. So I made sure to confirm, okay, please tell me it's coming in at this time because, I thought, well, you know, a great way to really test out a diesel is to put a lot of miles on it, you know? Right. And um, it, it worked out just fine, you know? So I put about close to 200 miles on it around uh, town in, you know, the Austin area. And then, yeah, uh, you know, at least 1,100 miles just a round trip back and forth from Austin to El Paso and back. But, of course, we did some driving around in El Paso as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it's got a kind of a, you know, nice snarl to it at certain times. And, you know, the Sahara we had was pretty well loaded. Mm -hmm. Um, it had the, uh, the, uh, sky one touch power retractable, uh, fabric top. Oh, wow. And yeah, you know, and <clears throat> now granted, you know, we were doing a lot of steady state driving because I don't, have you ever driven, have you ever driven, uh, you know, anywhere in Texas out to West Texas? I've not, but I, I understand what you're about to say. Cause you, you're going to say it very, <laughs> like basically very boring of sorts. Yes. Monotonous. <laughs> and, uh, yes, yeah. fortunately, you know, the, the speed limit out there and for so much of that trip is 80 miles an hour. So we, I put it in, uh, you know, I put the adapters cruise control to 85 just to make up a little time because, 
you know, you get to like hour six, hour seven, and even at that speed, it takes forever. And then you get to hour right. six or hour seven, and you just want to be there. <laughs> right, you just yeah. want to be done. Um, so obviously, you know, 85 miles an hour, not the prime speed for fuel efficiency, but by the time it was all said and done, we got back, it was a little north of 1400 miles over the course of that week with it. And it got, if I remember correctly, average fuel economy was 23.2. And I think combined rating for that particular, uh, you know, for that setup, it's like 25. But considering, yeah, like how fast I was going for so long, yeah. I kind of give it a pass on that. But I mean, it was it was one of the, you know, like we'd never taken a diesel vehicle on that trip before, and so it was it was a lot of fun, and it was a great test to see, like, well, you know, how even though they weren't prime conditions, you know, according to the EPA, because that speed's a little high, it was interesting <clears throat> to see, like, just what kind of numbers it got. Yeah, I don't really think 23 is that bad. I mean, again, you know, you talk about the the actual speed, you know, you were carrying over that distance. But I feel like, I mean, look, we all know 55 to like 70 miles an hour is going to be, you know, kind of that that threshold, you know. Um, so if you're traveling 85, 90 miles an hour at an average, you know, average speed roughly, and you're doing 23 miles to the gallon, I think that's pretty damn good. I really do. I yeah, think I mean... I was satisfied with it. I mean, because obviously, you know, the slower sections, like you get to, you know, the closer we got to to Austin coming back east, you know, the speed limits dropped and then you're on some, you know, country highways and stuff. So you got to do like 70 or below. And obviously, you know, those lower speeds kind of boosted the numbers a little bit. Um, But yeah, I I was, I was totally happy with it because, you know, prime conditions, when they first dropped it off, topped off and everything, it said range was like 506 miles. So if we had done a trip where, you know, speed limit was 70, and even if I was doing 75, we would get closer to that magic number. But Mm -hmm. considering, like you said, the speeds and everything, I was satisfied with it, you know? And, um, you know, it it gave me, uh, like, a few weeks before we took that, um my girlfriend Ellie and I went to Dallas with one of her friends and, and back over the course of a weekend and a Wrangler unlimited Rubicon. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's got different tires and, you know, there are differences between that and the Sahara. And, uh, one thing that I really appreciated about the Sahara on the way to El Paso was, you know, the steering seemed a little more, uh, relaxed, calmed down. Like I didn't have to correct it quite as much as I felt I did in the Rubicon. Mm-hmm. So that definitely helped. And, you know, I mean, really the biggest thing on a trip like that is just, you know, those things are built like, you know, they get the aerodynamics basically of a barn door. So those, especially with the fabric top, <laughs> right. there's a lot of wind noise, but you know, it kind of comes with the territory. It's definitely not what you would call spelt. <laughs> but how about comfort? How did, how was it, you know, on that? I mean, 1200 miles in any car can certainly, you know, in, in, unless it's absolute ideal conditions, it can break you up for 1200 miles. I mean, that's a, you know, you can, you can easily get annoyed with anything in a car for, you know, even hell, two or 300 mile road trip. Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, you know, this one was fine. I mean, really, cause once you're in there, like, especially all highway, it's right. all pretty smooth. Like that wasn't really an issue. I mean, you know, cause 
being in a body on frame four wheel drive SUV, you know, depending on the pavement, obviously it can be uh, a little, a little rough, but mm-hmm. I mean, that was primarily highway. That wasn't an issue. Um, you know, it was really just the wind noise, but yeah, seat comfort was fine. Um, and you know, I love the Uconnect system. So that, you know, it was very easy to use. It wasn't one of those things like, you know, that was driving me crazy. Like, Something as you know essential and everyday like that, if it's done wrong, that can be just you know just as grating. But yeah, yeah seat comfort was fine. Uh, infotainment was great, and then you know Ellie likes uh, being the DJ, so she keeps the party rolling, and she even does you know dance moves too. So uh, <laughs> that that kept me entertained and sane. Dance moves inside the car. That's that's rather interesting. I'll have to. Uh, oh I'll- yeah, full service man. <laughs> I'll have to see if my wife will actually start doing dance. Well, she does dance moves in the car every once in a while, but usually if she's a passenger in the car, she's sleeping. Um, I, I, oh, I, she gets car collapsy. Yeah, literally. She's like a baby. She's like, oh, we're driving? You know, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> now, um, how did you... So this... It, well, actually, just real quick, I want to uh, cover the Uconnect. Uconnect is actually really good. I agree with you on that because um, my parents actually had it in... Of all things, they used to have a Maserati Levante, um, and nice. yeah, and uh, it was the at the time it was the they only made two versions of it. It was the oh god, they had the oh god, what was it? it they actually it was just like two years ago. They had it for uh, this. Uh, I sound like such a douche, but they had it for like three months, and it was a lease. <clears throat> And my mom didn't like it. She wanted an X5 instead. Um, so hmm. they ended up turning the lease over to a friend of ours who wanted it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So they had a, um, they had the uh, Grand, they had the Grand Sport. Yeah, they had a Grand Sport is what it was. Yeah. Um, now it's, you know, the Grand Sport's even more badass. Um and I liked it. I liked it a lot, but it had Uconnect and it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was good. You know, very, very good. It was very solid, very usable only a couple times. But then again, this has happened in other cars. So this is not a Uconnect issue from time to time. Every once in a blue moon, you plug in your iPhone for uh, Apple CarPlay and the screen would mm-hmm. just go black on the Uconnect screen. <laughs> Oh boy! That happened a couple of times in the Maserati, but again, it's happened in other cars that I've either tested or owned. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it's a Uconnect issue. I think it's more of you know some type of weird algorithm, you know, or weird uh, software glitch for you know CarPlay or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so uh, but I I, I do want to know. So uh, just so people know, when they're listening to this, you and I met each other um, at the. Uh, Toyota Corolla launch and for the 20 what was it the 2019 or 2020 Corolla launch in 2019 in Savannah Georgia right yes yeah and um, that's also where I met Kristen Shaw she was a guest earlier on the podcast in episode two and you and I hit it off really well um, I felt like we we have we've had a good friendship and bond ever since but how did you get started <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of annoy me with the stuff you send me on Instagram, but it's fine. It's fine. I like you. Know what I'm saying. I tolerate it. <laughs> I tolerate. Yeah, I tell Ellie all the time. Ah, he's okay. He's fine. Um, but how did you get started in this game? Because it's it's weird that people would want to be 
reviewing cars. They want to be car media, car journalists. You know, how do you, how did you get, how did you just jump into this world? Well, um, I was working a desk job that I hated and, uh, it turns out my boss at that job, uh, she was into cars and like, you know, I'd stop by her office to talk about, you know, some sort of work issue or something I needed a heads up on or whatever. And, you know, we uh, always end up talking about cars, chatting about them. And so one day she's like, Oh, you know, she's like, you should, you should write about cars professionally. Like you should write about them. And I thought about it and I was like, okay, you know, cause at the time I, you know, started my own little, you know, blog on Blogspot tells you how long ago this was. <laughs> And, you know, I was just doing, you know, whatever came to mind. I was writing about clothes, watches, cars, too. Um, and uh, she kind of, she just planted that seed in my head. And I just kept, you know, kind of uh, nurturing it. And I thought about already, like, going back to school. Because I already had my four-year degree in business management. And I'd already thought about, oh, you know, maybe I want to go back and get, like, a writing degree or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she said that, and that really got me thinking. So I looked at uh, Austin Community College as far as getting an, a two-year degree in journalism because I thought, well, if I'm going to write professionally, mm-hmm. having a degree and formal, you know, education in it, even at you know the associate degree level, would help. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I did the research, and given all of the coursework that I had taken for my four-year degree. They, they would take that into account and then including all those, uh, with all those prior credits, I only needed to take three classes, nine hours to get my associate degree in, in journalism, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. And so, yeah. And so I hated that job anyway, you know, so I, I, <laughs> I quit and, uh, went back to school, you know, uh, got knocked out the coursework. And then, um, I think sometime um, one, one of my professors for copy editing at the time he worked at the Austin American Statesman, you know, the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, you know, I was, I'd like to think I did very well in his class, you know, and we chatted here and there and he said, well, Hey, you know, um, he knew the editor of the marketplace section at the time, which, you know, um, included content on cars. So he put in a good word for me. And then it turns out I knew um, the editor's brother-in-law, and then there was somebody else that put in a word for me with the editor of the Marketplace section. Anyway, so I started writing for them, you know, freelance, writing about, um, you know, uh, local car culture and events, you know, like Model A Owners Club and, you know, interviewing like tuners and stuff like that. So I wrote, uh, let's see... Uh, I think maybe seven pieces for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them was, um, I had, I mean, they were all fun, but one that really stands out was uh, at the time, Austin Police Department was switching over largely from Crown Victoria cruisers to like uh, interceptor utilities, like the, you know, explorer base. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I'd seen some stuff on it and I thought, well, you know, it's all like there's, you know, a piece or two online about it. And it but it was written as like straight up news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, well, you know, I'm not really like I'm not getting like it is from that angle of just just pure 
news and journalism. And I thought, well, you know, I want to like cover this in terms of like from, you know, a car enthusiast perspective. So set it up and everything. And, you know, it turns out, yeah, there are a lot of people, you know, and, and the police force down here, you know, they're into cars. And one of the guys that I, uh, one of my main go-tos, he had like a supercharged uh, Z28 Camaro and, Anyway, that was a lot of fun. And then, you know, joined the Texas Auto Riders Association because, you know, um, especially down here, you know, I would, <clears throat> I remember watching TV with my parents and, you know, Jeep had a commercial for like the Grand Cherokee or something. And they said, you know, Texas Auto Riders Association's, you know, uh, SUV of Texas. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know what? They are the people that I have to join. You know, it's going to up my cred and everything. And so I applied and... Um, you know, met a lot of really nice people, um, including uh, Jim and Linda Nelson. And uh, they really, you know, I started showing up to like, uh, you know, Dallas Houston Auto Show. And they really took me under their wing and they had no reason to, you know, I guess they just, you know, thought I was a nice, young, you know, upstart guy. And so they started introducing me to all of the uh, reps and people that could get me access to press cars. Mm Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I didn't, I had no idea, uh, Mike Hertzing, shout out to him as well, he used to be the president of the Texas Auto Writers Association. Without me even knowing, um, uh, Allison Partners, who works with Toyota and Lexus, apparently they reached out to him and they were asking about me for some reason. I don't know how I got on their radar. And um, he ended up telling them, yeah, you know, he's a good kid hook him up with press car. So I get this email out of the blue and um, it, it's from Allison partners and they're, they're asking, Oh, well, Hey, you know, we want to set up a rotation of press cars for you. Um, which of these would work? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. You know, and I was, I was fortunate at the time that I was, you know, already uh, writing for a variety of websites, which I know this, Stop me at any point if I'm just going on too many pages no, you're, here. It's just no, you're so fine. Um, so after the statesmen cut their freelance budget, you know, I moved into digital. And that was largely because, um, well, that was primarily because uh, an old buddy of mine, uh, Jacob, he, uh, Jacob Kobos, he, um, at the time, he was in school at Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. And uh, one of the, uh, you know, graduates of the school, mm-hmm. uh, Yoaf, he ended up uh, going there and covering Jacob's class presentation uh, for like a, you know, automotive uh, outlet. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, without me knowing, Jacob approached him at the end and he said, Hey man, he's like, my, uh, good buddy writes about cars. Um, can you, you know, like, can I send you his information? And at the time, you know, uh, you all was a writer for, I'm probably butchering his name, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> um, he, he was, he was writing for a variety of websites and, uh, he said, yeah, sure. You know, he, he took, uh, the inform my information that Jacob gave him and, and Jacob told me about it. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I gave him your stuff. And and I thought, you know, and this is nothing against him, but, you know, a lot of times you think <clears> something, <throat> something is going to come out of a particular moment. Right. And a lot of times nothing happens. I mean, that's just how life is so like many times. And so I thought. Eight or nine times at a time, that? nothing comes of it. 
you know, I mean, it's there's potential, but yeah, I mean, that's just how life is. So I thought, okay, you know, it's probably going to be one of these things, you know, nothing against him, but that's just how it goes usually. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, come to find out, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, he reached, y'all have reached out to me and, you know, uh, I started writing for the sites that he wrote for and everything. And, um, but yeah, yeah. So all of these kind of things were swirling in the background and, and, uh, yeah, I, I, um, got back to Allison partners and the very first press vehicle I ever reviewed, I want to say it was a 20, 2014, maybe 2015 Lexus LX 570. And wow. You know, I, even then, like, even though I'd had some experience and uh, networked and everything, I still didn't really know how it worked. So, right. you know, especially first vehicle I get into is just like 90, almost a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> like it was mind blowing. I was like, I, this is legal. <laughs> it's, it is a weird feeling because and then as you get deeper into it, people start to think that you're a drug dealer or that you, you know, um, which is people thought I was a drug dealer um, because so many cars were showing up at my house at random times uh, to be dropped off and picked oh, yeah. up. So people thought I was dealing in drugs or some type of illegal activity. And, you know, it, finally, when I explained to a couple of people, no, I test cars and that it you know, piques people's interest. How how interesting is it to you when people find out you do what you do and they start asking you a thousand questions? You know, it, it's weird. Like, um, it's usually like they see the car first, like with the GT 500. Mm-hmm. Like I got stopped by three people in the same parking lot. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's usually in my experience, it's usually been like they see the car and they compliment it. And if I have enough time or like, if you know, if, if it's not just like, we're just passing each other, like, and they start asking more questions. Cause that's usually what it is. They ask about the car. Then I'll right. tell, Oh, I'm just reviewing it for a week. It's not mine. And they usually, you know, you know, they'll, some people will say like, oh, well, you know, oh, that's a cool job. But that's really as far as it goes. Usually it's just like, you know, they ask questions about the car, Mm -hmm. which I get. Because especially, yeah, like, you know, GT500, the three guys that stopped me in the Bucky's parking lot, they, they hadn't seen one in person. And, you know, at that point, it was a few, I don't know, month or two ago. And so they had been out for a few months, you know, several months. But like, even then it's like, yeah, that's, they hadn't really, they haven't really filtered out that far to where, you know, like even with me, it's like, I, I was startled to see it and I was testing it, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and I'm probably not going to see another one in the wild for who knows how long. Yeah, probably not. I mean, it's, see, I, I always laugh because I get the question of, um, People will ask me about, you know, what I think of the car that I'm testing, but then they end up moving on and it, it, it gets a little awkward sometimes. Uh, they ask me about what I think of their personal car. Oh no! So then I have <laughs> oh, to, boy. yeah, then I have to, you know, and, and sometimes it's like, oh no, that is a good car. Um, that's a good car. But sometimes I have to weave a web of extreme BS. Um, it's good, but, you know, I have to do the however or the, you know, the but, you know, I prefer this car. 
So I know that I've hurt feelings in the past because I've I've always said that I refuse to lie to make someone feel better about their purchase. That is up to them. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, well, as, and they're asking you your opinion, so you have you know you have some leeway as far as like. I mean, there's a diplomatic way to put it, but if they're asking, then well, you should kind of expect an honest answer. Yeah, and and like years ago, uh, you know, a woman that was friends with our family that used to work for my dad's company, uh, she had a Nissan Armada. I didn't like the Nissan Armada. I thought it was kind of a, meh, you know, it was just like a big chunky SUV, and I was like, it's okay. But she got mad at me because she was saying, like my like my Armada, my Armada's. And I was like, oh, hang on, wait a second. I was like, your Armada's okay, but it's like, at best, middle of the pack. I was like, in my opinion, the Tahoe is crap, but it's miles ahead of the Armada. And that really, really hurt her for, I would probably say about six months, that really bothered her. And you know what? She went out and bought a, a GMC Yukon uh, Denali XL, XL Denali. So oh, wow. <laughs> about a year or so later, she bought, you know, and then after that, she was like, no, I, I get it now. I get it. You know, she'd still, I'm sure she still likes the Armada she had, but once you get into the GM, she's like, no, I, I get it. I, you know, it's still a point of contention because it's like she spent, and I always say to people, if you think you got a good deal, cause I hate when people ask me, Oh, what did you think of this deal? I got, I'm not answering that question. If you think you got a good deal on it, that's up to you. That's up to you and the dealership, whatever. But I do not like, because I've been burned too many times by going, well, I think you, you know, probably could have gotten another 500 or 1500 off. And that really, you know, when you start talking about people's finances, that really, really hurts them. And uh, when they feel like they've been, you know, taken in a sense. And so I just, I choose not to go there anymore with anybody. Like, you know what? What's the deal you got? Yep. Sounds good. Sounds great. Yeah, because it's tormenting because it's like they've already done the paperwork, paid it, or you know, got it, the ball rolling, all that kind of stuff. It's like if you tell them, "Oh, yeah, you could have saved two grand." What are they going to do about it at right. that point? It's just torture. The only thing I tell people is when you go to buy your next car, give me a call. Happy to help. You know, happy to <laughs> to give you some advice. That's the only. That's as far as I'll go these days because uh, I used to be in car sales and I actually like. I like going to dealerships. I like talking to car salespeople. You know, I, th- I think they're fun. I think, th- I think it's entertaining. <laughs> you know, nobody else likes it, but me, because I'm just, it's like people think they're walking into the lion's den. I'm like, most, look, most of these people are alcoholics, drug addicts, or, you know, are living paycheck to paycheck. So you can 90% of the people that walk through those doors can easily empathize with, with these guys, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, right. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, a long time ago, um, right before the market just uh, took a freaking nosedive in, <laughs> what was it, October 2008, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, I was working at a dealership, and we had this one guy, he was from the Chicago School of Sales, and he <laughs> was perhaps the most aggressive <laughs> person I've ever seen. And, but for some reason, he took a liking to me. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I was new there, and he was a veteran and everything. And he was telling us, you know, uh, how it works and what kind of commissions you can make and everything. And it was – he was giving us new guys like this this pep talk out of Glengarry Glen Ross. <laughs> like, it was absolutely brutal. 
Cause yes. he's like, he's like, Oh yeah, well I had this one guy come in. Uh, he paid full pop. Uh, he had a trade in. I stole that. And <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh was, yeah. It was absolutely savage. So the guy that, uh, I actually took the place of at the car dealership that I worked at, um, he left, went mm-hmm. to a used car, a rock lot. And to this day, I would have never believed him had I not seen the paperwork. He came back to say hi. Um, and he was talking with us, you know, chit chatting and we were BS. And he said he had just sold this. Um, he had just sold this, uh, 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 Dodge caravan, right. to his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in car sales, it's very typical to say you knocked him over the head. Right. So he knocked him over the head for, uh, an extra, um, for 10 grand more than what the car was worth. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, the kicker though was that he actually knocked him out for 13,000 total because more than what it was worth because when they were about to go sign paperwork, he goes, Oh, I forgot that van actually came with the extra option of the third row. He had taken the third row out of the van and held it in an office. And mm-hmm. when somebody came to buy it, he said that was a $3,000 optional extra. Um, and it was very uh-huh. rare. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, my God. <laughs> to this day, again, I would have never believed it if he didn't pull out the paperwork and show all of us at the dealership. And I'm going, how do you live with yourself? How do you go home? And know that you just overcharged somebody by $13,000. And I think the van was like, I think like 8500 bucks, mm-hmm. And it had oh. probably 150,000 miles on it. And, oh, man. And he got him for... That's just depressing. <laughs> right? He got him for 13000 bucks more. We had a guy, we had a, a man and a woman that came in. Um, they had a Chevy Malibu Max. Do you remember what that was? Oh yeah, it was like a like a fastback kind of notchy, uh, like a little tiny wagon like a, thing that they made for the. It was a pile of crap, is what it was. Um, yeah, it was like an angular sportback kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we had this couple that came in. They were, I think, they were like ten or fifteen grand upside down on their car because they owed like. I think they I think they owed like twenty thousand dollars and it wasn't worth more than like eight or nine grand, something like that. Oof. Yeah, right. So they wanted to trade this car in. Um and we were like, No, we're good, you can keep that. Um <laughs> we're we're fine. That's not a deal we're willing to we're willing to move on. And they ended up buying a car that night. They oh, ended up man. buying a car, they ended up going into even more debt, buying oh, a car. Yeah. Came back the next morning, screaming obscenities. Come, you know, I'm walking into into the dealership. Um, from I had been, I think I had, I, I don't know, I'd done something. I'm so I'm walking in and I just hear these screaming people and I'm like, oh my god, what the hell? So yeah, they were screaming about the deal that they had just done the night before. That we got to take the car back. You know, we we um we took advantage of them and. My my manager was like, "You came in wanting a car. We told you we weren't taking your trade. We gave you numbers on a car, and you were like, yeah, this looks great.' <laughs> I was there. They must the- have been desperate. I don't see. That's the thing. I don't know. I was there with them. 
I wasn't, I was shadowing a card, uh, one of the sales guys because I just started. And so I was there for the whole process and I don't know why they bought this car. I was so dumbfounded. I, the whole time I'm going, there's no, there's no way they're going to buy a car. They took it home. They bought it. They signed paper. I'm going, you're, you're crazy. You're the only thing I can think of. And you know, maybe I'm reading a little too much into this, but I'm just trying to figure it out. My best guess would be they were in a desperate situation being upside down, right? Mm -hmm. They probably felt powerless. Like they had no option, felt were feeling awful. And maybe it was so extreme that they thought, you know what? Like, I can do something. I'm going to, we're going to get this car, even though it was a, obviously a terrible decision. <laughs> right. Literally. Grief. I, and that's, I mean, I, I felt bad for him, but at the same time, like, I'm like, it just, I just sat there just looking dumbfounded at them. And they're like looking at me like, what are you doing looking at us? I'm like, I'm just surprised. I couldn't believe yeah, you I'm bought the car. To compute. Yeah. I'm like, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You asked us to help you last night. We told you we couldn't. You were like, well, we want a car anyway. And then you come back yelling at us because we sold you a car. Like, yes, do not get me wrong. There are times as a salesperson where I felt really, really horrible because I sold people cars and I'm like, there's no way they can afford this. I don't know why we just did yeah. this deal. And <laughs> there, there are people today that I feel guilty about, but these people, I have a hard time feeling guilty because I'm like, they, they weren't high. They weren't stoned or they yeah. weren't drunk or anything, you know? Um, you weren't holding the gun to their head. No, we, we were actually, I remember my manager looking at them going, you should not be buying a car. Because your credit will be destroyed with an extra loan. And they were like, no, it's fine. <laughs> I was like, okay. And they put like, I think like, yeah. I think they put like $1,000 down. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> you got, wait a second. You got $1,000 put down on a new car. You can't put that down on, on your on your Malibu Max that you owe way too much on? You know, like what, what the you, hell? Whoa, what? <laughs> I guess they're just trying to like will it to happen in a way like, oh, well, our credit will be fine. We'll, we'll just do this. And it's just totally working uphill the whole way. It's doomed. It was terrible. It was terrible. But, uh, Yikes. yeah, right. Yeah. So, but what, uh, what do you got coming up next for cars and, and tests? And, and cause I know that you're, you're constantly doing something. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, they, they picked up the GSF, uh, yesterday swapped it out for a uh, Lexus GX 460. Okay. And then um, got another rotation starting next week. So uh, according to the plan, it's going to be the Mercedes AMG GT 53 four-door coupe. Nice. Uh, the the um, updated 2020 Stelvio. Nice. A uh, BMW M235 M235 uh, and then there's one more, uh, good grief. Um, oh, I think the Mercedes, uh, AMG CLA 35. And then the thing I really wanted to, uh, the thing that I'd hinted at earlier. So after that rotation, that should end May 27th, <laughs> right? And I'm trying to dovetail it with another rotation, right? Mm -hmm. And if everything goes according to plan, that next rotation will have the um, 2021 Mercedes AMG GLS 63, nice. the GLC 43, the GLE 63S, and 
Now, this is pending approval from the manufacturer. And again, just like the GT500, I was amazed this is even going to be in my area anytime soon. If I get approval from the manufacturer, my fleet will be sending a 2020 Corvette C8. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, um, I'm sure they'll want to, you know, take a look at my outlet's numbers and all this kind of stuff. And I know people are just going to be, you know, fighting tooth and nail, scrambling. Everybody's going to be uh, going after that at the same time. But, you know, she sent me the list. It was on there. And, of course, you know, um, I <laughs> emailed her back as soon as I could. Yes, please put me in that. Wow, that's fantastic. My dad actually has one on order. Um, nice. In fact, right. what, what kind of setup? So he's got that, uh, it's like a burnt orange. I forget what color, what it's actually called. But um, it's a, what, a 3LT? I mean, it's it's going to be a fully loaded Z51 carbon fiber package. It's going to literally, you know, loaded to the teeth. Um, in fact, his neighbor, um, uh, in, in his neighborhood, my parents live in a neighborhood that only has, I think, like, uh, what, six other houses? And his neighbor mm-hmm. actually just got a C8, his C8, white with red interior. Um, nice. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, but what was funny was I was talking with uh, him and my dad um, a couple weeks ago. They did like a, a little cul-de-sac um, party at the end of the cul-de-sac. They all sat in, you know, in lawn chairs and kind of, you know, like six to 12 feet away from each other and kind of chit-chatting and everything. And so I showed up uh, with my wife and we sat, you know, way the hell far away from everybody because uh, we're much, <laughs> much younger than everybody, of course. And uh, uh, we were talking and, and I know this guy is also a big Porsche guy. He has a brand new 911 uh, Carrera 4S as well. And he also has a an M4 convertible. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So kind of an eclectic, you know, uh, an interesting. He sold his Acura NSX to get the Corvette. I uh, traded that. Oh, he also has man. a he also has a Ferrari four five eight Italia Spider. Um, that that's one of his others. So anyway, he uh, my dad was saying. So you know, which one of all the cars is your favorite? You know, of all the cars you got, you know. And uh, he said, Oh, really? Honestly, the nine eleven. He said every day. He said I have you know, and he, I mean he's literally owned everything under the sun, right? Um, and he's like, every time I get back into a 911, I go, yep, this is the perfect car. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was so gutted because my dad is such a Corvette guy. Uh, oh, yeah. This C8, I think, will be my dad's 17th Corvette that he's ever owned in his lifetime. Hey. Uh, I yeah, have to do the calculations cool. again, but I think that's I think it's 17 is how many he's owned. Um, <laughs> my dad is Corvette faithful. Um yeah, I would say. And he gets frustrated with me because I'm not. <laughs> He's always wanted me to own a Corvette, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got a GT350. He's like, God oh, damn it. He's so close. I almost got him into the Corvette world. Nope, 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 almost. Not quite. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of hard. I mean, I can see where it would be hard to you – know, it kind of – makes you a little brand agnostic after a while because you get so exposed to so many different manufacturers and types of cars, Mm -hmm. you know, and for the most part, they all have, you know, a lot of things to like about them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's hard to like, you know, just dismiss certain cars outright. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, and I I I don't hate the Corvette by any means. I hate like I I hate Mustang owners. I don't hate Mustangs. You know, it's like as a as a three time Mustang owner, I'm going. You know, when people give me the wave or the thumbs up, yeah, cool. But when I, you know, when people are trying to street race me in their GT, their loud GT or something like that, I'm going, okay, move away. You know, come on. You know, mm-hmm. let let the adults, you know, drive normally. Um, so <laughs> I don't, you know, like I don't like the Mustang. I don't like being around most of the Mustang crowd because I get, I get, you know, in a parking lot. I don't mind people talking to me. I love it. You know, I talk about cars for days on end, but. It gets a little weird. It gets a little weird when people start, you know, walking up my car and say, "Bro, so sick." Okay, let's start with English first, and you know, <laughs> "Hello, really like your car. Thank you very much." Let's move the conversation on from there instead of "Bro, so sick." Okay, calm down. You know, let's chill. Um, I have a name, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I'm Josh. My name is Josh. What is your name? Like, I almost have to hold up cue cards <laughs> for him to, you know, for talking points. Um, but like, I like Corvettes. But the problem mm-hmm. is, my dad. Every time I think about, oh, maybe I should buy a Corvette. My dad has already gotten that Corvette, so I've already driven it. And I'm like, well, what's the point in owning what I've already driven? You know, in a sense, like it's nice. It's great. Um, I also have a very, very weird hatred of Corvettes that no, I don't think anybody I've ever met anybody that has this hatred of Corvettes. Um, and okay. it's, it's very one-sided. It's very jaded. People tend to laugh. They find this funny. They find this story hilarious. My brother years ago, I had an E90 M3 sedan. Okay. Loved mm-hmm. it. It was an 09 manual gearbox. And I said E90 sedan, of course, because E90 only came in sedan. Anyway, <laughs> we traded cars for some reason. He had a 2011 Corvette. Okay. Manual mm-hmm. gearbox. We had traded cars. Can't remember why. He was getting his, he was finishing his degree after many years. He was finishing it at a local college. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he had his backpack with his, with his books and stuff like that in the back of the Corvette. Okay. I didn't think anything of it. Uh, I am driving on a road in Raleigh that is very typical for really bad five o'clock traffic, but also people jumping in and out of the lanes because there's a there's it's a four lane road with a middle lane, so a fifth middle lane for turning, you know, um, into different areas, right? And it's mm-hmm. very typical of people to just jump in, dive into these lanes without using a turn signal. And then oh, it makes, no. yeah, and it makes everybody else slam on their brakes and blah, blah, blah. Well, and sometimes there's so much traffic that the turn lane is just in the road, right? Yeah. So this guy decides he wants to stop in the middle of the road to make a left turn because there are too many people in the turn lane. So he's waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not put his signal on. He comes to oh, a complete stop. We all slam on our brakes. I'm about two or three cars behind him. I slam on the brakes and the backpack comes flying forward, hits me in the side of my face and my arm and shoulder. And I, the, uh, uh, my hand was on the shifter and it dives forward in the third gear. Luckily I still had the clutch in at the time. So I pulled it back in the, you know, neutral. And I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, this is a backpack filled with books, right? College books. Oh, no. My yeah, you had a quarter million dollars of books in there. Dude, it was ridiculous. Oh my god, yeah, the books were worth more than the car. And so I'm I am I am seething. I am so mad. And I'm like I the the right side of my face is in 
absolute pain, like agony. And I get finally get to where I was going. I stop and I, I look in the mirror, in the car's mirror at my face, and I have this giant red mark, and I have a point where the where one of the um one of the zippers on the uh uh backpack it hit me in the side of the face and like just like caused me to bleed a little bit on the side of my face. So my mm-hmm. the right side of my face is just blood red, right? A little tiny bit of blood as well, and I'm like son of a bitch i'm just so mad and from that day on i have had the most random hatred of corvettes for that exact reason yeah I mean, it's it's in that situation it's guilty by association exactly like that, right yeah that connection has got to be hard to overcome when you're freaking talking like Bushimi and fargo <laughs> great movie by the way Great reference. <laughs> Excellent reference. Oh, man. I, I, I knew where you were going with that. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Yikes. So now uh, to kind of to end uh, things a little bit, I want to ask you a couple things. You're big into style. You, you love, you know, you love hats, watches, and, and, you know, driving caps, I should say, and, and big into nice clothes. What would you say is, is a trend that you see going in the clothing world that you know that kind of adheres to the automotive world because I feel like style and cars very close together. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't adhere to any of that because I just wear blip shift t-shirts. That's it. That's literally pretty much all I wear. <laughs> um, I have to send you a picture that I took recently. Uh, for every blip shift shirt I buy, I buy a large and an extra large. So when I'm fat and when I'm skinny, I can wear the same shirt. Um, you're covered literally 100%. And I think at, at most recent count, I think I have a hundred shirts maybe, um, Mm -hmm. of each, by the way. So 200 shirts total, uh, which is ridiculous. My wife hates me. Um, but what do you think about style? What's something that you like to mix and match with the cars you get? Um, I typically, um, you know, it depends on the vehicle. So, you know, I, I typically dress, you know, real preppy, you know, um, but, you know, I got a lot of like jeans, hiking boots, you know, kind of field coats and stuff. So I, I kind of nerd out. And if I'm driving like, you know, if I'm reviewing like a power wagon, mm-hmm. right. And especially if I'm, you know, taking it off road and all that kind of stuff, I'll wear like my, you know, knock around hiking boots, blue jeans. And, you know, in, in the summer, you know, um, Especially, yeah, down here in the south, you know, I'll try to wear something, you know, lightweight and breathable, obviously. Like, I love Seersucker. I'm really mm-hmm. big into that. But, you know, if it's like, um, you know, a sports car, especially a manual transmission, you know, I'll be more likely to break out my chucks because, you know, they're I get better feel in those. They're lighter weight. They're not real clunky or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then, of course, with the situation or, the, you know, if back in the... <laughs> Back in the day when restaurants were open, you know, for dine-in service and all that, it, you know, if my girlfriend and I were going out to a, you know, higher-end place, you know, just kind of take things up a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, of course, that dictates one of the, you know, main sort of go-tos for a lot of, you know, car enthusiasts is the watch, you know. So of course. if I'm, you know, off-roading, I'll wear like, you know, uh, like a sort of field watch or you know, something like that. You know, it, it's, it, I just totally nerd out about it. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> coordinating and planning that goes into it. And a, a lot of times it's, it's 
you know, I let the the vehicle dictate it because I like to, you know, kind of look the part, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I feel, I, I think you really actually, you pull off the driving cap really well. You have the face for it. You have the hair for it. You know, you, you, you really do pull it off well and wear it well. Um, I remember. Oh, when, thanks, man. You're welcome. I remember we were on the, uh, we were on the, the Corolla trip. I, I thought it was very mm-hmm. funny that I looked like a schlub and you looked clean cut, like wonderful. And you were like, I remember you had the, that really nice, like rain jacket, you know, of sorts you had, uh, you had your mm-hmm. boots on because it was going to be raining that day. And I was like, this is a stylish bastard. This is one smile. <laughs> this is one stylish man. Like, damn, I've got the right partner in crime for driving these cars. Well, you know, it, it comes from, um, I didn't really go, you know, very far in like Boy Scouts or anything. I mean, I was in it, you know, the early stages when I was younger, but over the years, I just kind of, um, you know, took sort of the, one of their, you know, mottos. And I like being prepared in terms of wardrobe and accessories and everything mm-hmm. for certain situations. So yeah, I was like, okay, well, you know, when it rains, I want a raincoat. I, I want to get some boots. <laughs> I even have... And my girlfriend hates these. I have these, um, I guess you could call them galoshes or rubber overshoes. Yeah. And they are bright orange. And I, <laughs> I flip them over my shoes. So they don't get wet. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> Now that's uh, funny. Yeah, I, I could see why I could see why Ellie hates them, but <laughs> but I, you know what? Yeah, yeah. She she's not a. I haven't budged on those though because when we first met, I for some reason I don't know why I was really into the idea of getting a bucket hat, and you know, I don't <laughs> fish, and I'm not Jack Lemon and grumpy old men, so <laughs> it didn't really make any sense. And she's like, you know, we we got to a certain point in our relationship, and she's like. You have to promise me you are never going to get another bucket hat. And I, I've stuck with it. I even got rid of the original one, you know? That's love. That is absolute love. No, it so, really is. But um, I, I, as far as you know, wardrobe and everything, I gotta, I, I, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. Um, a long time ago, before I got into you know, automotive writing and everything, I had an Acura Integra sedan, like a 98. You know, it wasn't like, you know, GSR or anything. It was just a regular, you know. Still an Integra. Integra cool car. sedan. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, started paying more attention to clothing and everything. And my thing was, and what I like about clothing and cars, too, to this day, is a sense of history and a sense of sort of tradition and, you know, nostalgia. So right. I thought you know what, I'm going to order these, I found these um, kind of, you know, sienna-colored leather driving gloves, right? And I got them not because, oh, this is a fine automobile. I mean, (laughs) I love the car, but I, you know, I know it's not like a, you know, vintage Ferrari, right? But I got them because they were an old school thing, and I really was interested in the sense of history and tradition. So I got them. And uh, I worked with these guys at a uh, marketing research firm, and one of the guys, Dario, like, he, he, you know, and he's, you know, does stand-up comedy, and, you know, he's written for television and everything, so, like, of course, he immediately teased upon it. He said, oh, yeah, you know, he wears these nice gloves, and he drives this piece of shit car. (laughs) Look, man, when when you step out of the car, though, when you start walking away, and you look fly as hell, and nobody knows what you got out of. That's all that matters, right? Nobody has to know. Well, yeah, well, 
I, I did leave those in the car when I got out. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I made, when I was 10 years old, uh, we used to frequent this restaurant um, where uh, they had valet parking, right? Well, I was 10, so I was very bored sitting there with my parents eating, you know, a steak, you know. So I'd, yeah. go, I'd go out and hang out with the valet guys, became friendly with them. And I would sit there and I would, and this is a Saturday night, Friday, Saturday night, something like that. And I would sit there and I would just compliment men and women getting out of their cars, right? Mm-hmm. And I made $65 in tips on a on that night, that one night. <laughs> just because I, I complimented people. And I was 10 years old. Just complimenting people. And I remember this guy had this absolute ratty-ass mid-90s um, Ford Taurus where paint was peeling like everything. I mean, it was horrible. And he was he was on either a date, a first date. I don't know. He definitely, I remember his, uh, his body language was not that he was married to this woman or in a relationship with this woman, right? And so even then you could tell, right. Even then I could tell this dude had not been laid by this woman yet. Right. (laughs) So I compliment the hell out of him when he gets out of this ratty, disgusting Taurus. And I was like, Oh man, I love the Ford Taurus. I I was 10. So I knew at this time I knew as much as I could about cars. I read every car magazine. Right. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh man, I love that generation Taurus. Oh man. You Great car. Genuinely my dream first car. Hands me a $10 bill. This is 1996. (laughs) And I was complimenting the biggest pile of crap that to this day I think I've ever seen. And I got 10 bucks from that Well, you know, you were helping each other out. Yeah, because you're making him look good. Yep. You know? And then he looks even better because he's friendly to a little kid. Yep. You know? So... Who knows? Maybe they're married. Maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully I helped them out. But I'll tell you, I the biggest heaps, the biggest heaps got the best <laughs> the best uh tips. So, you know, if you complimented them the right way, man, you got you were making five or six bucks off of one person just for the biggest piece of crap that they had, but you made them look good and feel good about it. Man, they were giving you a nice tip. And I was ten years old, so I was happier than a pig in slop. I was like, "This is fantastic! This is great!" I'm ten years old, making sixty-five dollars. Oh hell yeah! I was so happy. Yeah. Do you do you know how much bazooka Joe I can buy with? (laughs) Do you even understand? Well, at the time, I mean, I think I bought. I think I went and bought like two video games, two brand new video games for that. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah. At the time when video games were. Considered expensive back then, but still reasonably priced. But now they're ridiculous. Um, you got to take a loan out, dude. Yeah, they're a hundred bucks. If you want, like, it's funny because if you want the regular game, it's like sixty bucks, fifty, sixty bucks. If you want like the step up, you know, like with a few more add-ons for multiplayer, it's seventy-five bucks. If you want the full game, it's a hundred bucks. And it's like, whoa, whoa what? <laughs> I'm paying. Great. I'm paying a third for the game that I did for the the uh, the actual. Um, uh, gaming unit like what so yeah i have a couple simple rapid fire questions for you called simple you know simple okay. answers because i know you got to get going soon um very very simple what do you think of the state of the manual are you worried about it are you bothered about it are you like nah i don't really care um yeah i mean it, <clears throat> it, you know it bothers me that you know it's been on the decline for so long and i don't see it getting any better in terms of you know production and take rate and everything and you know it's it's 
unfortunate because, you know, so many, like, so many kids not only don't know how to drive it, they don't even have the opportunity to learn. Right. Because most people, they learn stick like, oh, my uh, my older brother or sister or whatever, my dad's got a, a car with a stick in it, mm-hmm. so I'll just take that out. I'll have him teach me. But, you know, you go, like, you look at, like, an 18, <laughs> let's say a 16-year-old kid right now, right? Mm-hmm. There's a good chance, I mean, even at their age that, you know, their parents might not own a car with a manual transmission. And, you know, as cars, as time goes on, you know, fewer and fewer of them are even offered with a manual. So mm-hmm. that decreases their chances of having a friend who has a car with a, with a stick shift. And, you know, it's not just that, oh, it, it connects you more to the car and it's, in, you know, the engagement is enjoyable. I mean, it is. But... I mean, I honestly think, and I think this is very important for younger drivers too, especially if they're just starting out, driving stick makes you, if you're, if you're really paying attention and, you know, doing it right, it makes you a better driver because you have to look further down the road. You have to pay more attention to what the car is doing, the Mm -hmm. sounds, the feeling, and you have to think ahead, plan ahead and be on it, Mm -hmm. you know, to keep the momentum going, to not grind gears, to not you know, bog it down or stall it out. And so I think it makes you a better driver, you know, and that's, you know, especially if you're starting out the, you know, you want to start from a place of success and readiness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, you know how I feel about manuals. Uh, I love manual cars. Um, now, yeah, you got to in the GT350. <laughs> oh man, I love it. and you know my wife's car. My wife has a, a 2019 Jetta GLI with a manual. You know she before that it was a 2016 uh, Veloster Turbo R Spec with a manual. She loves manual cars. So you oh, know, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very lucky. I'm a very lucky man uh, <laughs> for multiple reasons, <laughs> but mainly because my wife is amazing. Uh, but with all the cars that you drive, all the new cars you drive, and, and we were talking about how with the uh, the Wrangler uh, diesel, eco-diesel, you were using a lot of uh, 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 cruise control. What are <clears throat> What is a modern feature in a car that you love to hate and one that you hate to love? Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> I would say, in, uh, it's for, starting with the hate to love, um, I, I can't honestly say I hate to love this, but I, I do realize that loving this is, uh, I, I feel kind of like, I feel kind of silly for loving this because it is totally, it is a total luxury feature, completely unnecessary, but just like so many luxury features, <laughs> it's nice to have soft closed doors. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, and again, I know it's, you know, just superfluous, it's a frill, but, you know, once I started getting press cards that had that, I was like, oh, this is kind of nice, you know, because, like, you know, what, there's so many facets to the definition of the word luxury, and one of them is not having to do a certain thing, right? Right, right. And that does, like, you don't have to swing the door as hard, you mm-hmm. know, like, it does, you bring it to, it does the rest of the work for you. It's kind of like this robotic butler in a way that closes the door for you. Well, it's also nice if you live in a neighborhood and you have, you know, you come home at night or you, um, or if you leave early in the morning, 
you know, a car door is, it's a sound that people hear from their homes. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So having a soft closed door, it's just a nice thing because honestly, look, when I, when I come home and my dogs hear that my car door close, they go nuts. And so if I have, you know, a, you know, I, it takes me another 10, 20 seconds to get in the house to yell. It's okay. It's just daddy. It's just daddy. And so, you know, if you have soft closed doors, they barely even know that you're coming. So it's great. It's even nicer. So oh, I, yeah. I agree. That is a very nice feature. And it's, it's not one that I agree with you. It's not one that I hate that I love, but it's one that I go, it, it's, it seems unnecessary, but it is useful. And it is something that it, it is a, it is a really nice feature to have. And like you said, most of luxury anyway, is just taking you out of the equation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one element to it. Definitely. I, I, I will say this though. Um, I'm glad they haven't made that an option on the G wagon because you know, the, the sound of the doors closing yeah, the and clunky. the whole engagement yeah. there. Oh yeah. That's um, a, that's like nineties, nineties to early two thousands, uh, German cars in general. That's, that's a door you want to hear close, you know, it's like, it's just that tank door, you know, I love it. I oh love yeah. That very, you know, solid. And mm-hmm. yeah, some of them just have just a certain, uh, heft and a certain sound to them. And it's like, yeah, that's, and it's a weird, it's a weird part of the experience, but just like with anything, there is a way to do it. That's satisfying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some manufacturers pull it off. My, my dad had a 1990, uh, 90 or 91, 560 SEC Mercedes Benz when I was in high school. He had, he had loved mm-hmm. the movie Roadhouse. So he bought that car when, when I was in high school <laughs> back in, 2000 and I think he bought it in like 2001, 2002. Um, and it was a cool car. I, you know, we loved the movie roadhouse in my family. So when dad bought it, we were like, cool, the roadhouse car, you know? And, uh, was, was his mortal enemy Ben Gazzara? Yes. Yes. My dad once ripped somebody's throat out in the middle of a fight. It was ridiculous. It was, it was insane. Uh, and then he put a brick on the, on the throttle pedal of the 560 SEC launched into our backyard, you know, it caught fire. It was, it was, it was a whole thing. Yeah, it was a whole thing. You know, it's just a Friday night. It's fine. Um, but <laughs> we, um, I remember a couple things about that car. One, it had a dual stage horn. You could change the sound of the horn. Um, so I used to joke. I used to get in it when I was in high school. I used to get in it and chain and you know hit the horn and you know at the different levels. And I'd say, "Wow, sounds like traffic in New York City, folks." And then you know everybody would be like, ha, 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 "What an idiot!" And uh, the other most recognizable thing was the way that the doors closed because my mom had a 2001 uh, Mercedes SL uh, 500 and then she had an 03 SL 550. Um, Mm -hmm. And the doors were very different between the 01 and the 03 because the 03 was a new body style. But even the 01 SL versus the 90 560 SEC, you could tell it was a Mercedes, but they were two different styles of the way they closed the, or the way that you had to slam the doors because of the size of the vehicle and the size of the door. But I'll just never forget the heft, the clunkiness of it. And it was just this incredibly satisfying sound when you closed it and you got it shut correctly on the first try. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so stupid to non-car people, but to car people, closing a good sounding door is like, oh. I like that. You know, it's just a, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those sensory uh, elements to it because mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you're listening to the engine and you know, you, the touch points. I mean, you're almost all of your senses are 
engaged. I mm-hmm. mean, and even mm-hmm. now, you know, they get the fragrance system, so you're sensitive right. smell. But yeah, that's that's important, especially on a car that costs as much as an SL, because you want it to feel like it's substantial. Oh yeah, you, know? you don't want it flimsy and cheap and rattly and all that. That that's one thing that actually really surprised me about the uh, Fiat 500 Abarth. That was just I thought, ah, it's you know, it's a real small car. You know, the door's going to be flimsy, but it had like a good weight to it. It was, it was really uh, surprising. I love that. I love any car company that's willing to add a little heft to the door to make you feel like you're in something solid of sorts. You know, mm-hmm. um, and because people think, you know, with small cars, I have to I have to argue this point with people a lot because they think, oh, it's a small car, you're going to die in it. Really, not necessarily. I mean, it, there are plenty of small cars that are you know, better in an accident than some of the bigger cars. You know, it just kind of depends on the accident on, you know, what you're doing. Um, yeah. But now the, uh, the other part of that question was what is a modern feature you, you hate, or I'm sorry, you love to hate. Um, it's, it's, um, I know I'm not necessarily playing by the rules here, but no, it is a lack of a feature that I love to hate. And it is, um, I, you know, I'm, a traditionalist in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I like, you know, touch screens and everything. They're convenient if they're done right. Not mm-hmm, all of them mm-hmm. are. Um, but I typically prefer, you know, at least at the very least having this as a redundancy is traditional knobs and buttons. Yes. And I understand they yes. can't fit them all on, on the, you know, center stack, but like, you know, so many modern vehicles have automatic climate control, which I get. <laughs> I'm not, Personally, I, I typically don't use that. I typically yeah, set a fan speed and let it go. But, you know, sometimes there will be a feature like fan speed or mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, this is not as common, but, you know, a steering wheel heater, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where it's either buried in a touch screen or, yeah, like it's buried in a touch screen. There's no physical button for it, and especially fan speed. To me, that is one of those things like volume tuning, temperature, Fan speed, fan speed, and fan split. Yeah, HVAC split. Yep. To me, I feel like all of those should have a hard button, but sometimes that's not the case, you know. And that that kind of drives me nuts because, I, you know, I I get that it, you know, if I wanted them to have a hard button for, um, you know, oh well, I want this Mercedes to spray this pine fragrance upon demand, you know, like I get that's <laughs> right. not going to be a dedicated hard button, but basic stuff like that, when it's not there on the center stack, that kind of drives me nuts. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with you because it's, it is, it does drive me nuts too. When I get in some cars and my parents drive predominantly, you know, mainly luxury cars. And mm-hmm. so when I get into some of their cars and I go, where, you know, what, what the hell? What, what, why do I have to push this button to bring a menu up on the on the nav screen or the infotainment screen, and then I have to tweak it from there? Why? Why do I have to do that? Why can't I just push a button a couple times? <laughs> you know, get what I want. Um, yeah, especially for certain more essential functions. Yeah, it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I get that their limits. The real estate is limited, and they have obviously they prioritize certain things over others, but to me there should be some, you know, basics, but that's yeah. not always the case depending on which manufacturer, or which model you're in. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating as hell. I agree. Now with that, is there anything else you'd like to say? Can you plug all the stuff you're doing now? Can you plug all your social media and YouTube and, and, uh, 
whatever websites you write for, you plug everything, and then I'll let you get because I know you oh, gotta yeah. go. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, yeah. There's. Um, I'll I'll go with uh, the main one right now. Uh, again, uh, well, you know what? This plug is not shameless this time because you asked. <laughs> uh, so the latest uh, video review to hit my channel, There Will Be Cars, is my review of the 2019 Mercedes AMG E63S wagon. Whew, okay. I just saw real, that pop up on mouthful. my feed for uh, for YouTube. I just saw that actually about an hour ago, right? Uh, yeah, something. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, at uh, two o'clock central. So, yep. Thank you for uh, not only being a friend but a subscriber. Of course. And uh, just an overall, just cool, badass, just friendly dude. You know, uh, and you know, I told you before, like you're you're one of the people that just make this industry even better. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's you know it rocks anyway just because of what we're able to do but you know outside of the cars it's nice that you know there are friendly just cool people in the biz and you're definitely one of them and uh yeah you know i uh I, i'm glad we've been able to chat and everything and it's just we gotta go we gotta go for a drive one of these days man it's um Probably not going to be anytime soon, but one of these days. Yeah, one of these days. We got to go cross country, do something random, do something ridiculous. You know, maybe we can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say maybe we could set a new record. <laughs> Just be another person setting a record for no reason whatsoever. Um, Derek, it has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for for hanging out with me, for talking. Uh, and I agree. Oh, yeah. I, I'm 100 the same way when it comes to you. Is that I. I think the industry is better when there are people that you can really enjoy the, you know, the company of, but not just that the personalities of, uh, and I think you have a great personality with your reviews, with your content. Um, I love your personality as a friend. You know, you, you are somebody I definitely, definitely believe is a good friend of mine. Um, and, uh, I miss you. I can't wait to actually get together with you again and sit down and have a beer and some pizza. Um, my treat this time. <laughs> I, I'm not letting that one go. <laughs> yeah, I bought I bought Derek uh, pizza and beer last time when we were at the the uh, uh, we were having lunch uh, down in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, I bought you some pizza and beer because I knew that we were going to be late going back to uh, uh, drive a certain car that you wanted to drive, and so I was like, I felt bad, so I wanted I, I wanted to make it up to you, and uh, yeah. But you know what? We ended up getting to drive it anyway because it was the it was the Corolla Hybrid. <laughs> oh yeah, man! I forgot I forgot what happened after after that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you you know, very very thoughtful, very generous, and uh, yeah, it's just been it's been a, a lot of fun getting to know you, and you know, especially doing this. I mean, this you know just felt like just what it should be just felt like a conversation you just happen to be recording it yeah exactly that's what that's what i hope for everybody that for for listening to the podcast is that yes i want people to get you know information i want people to feel good about what they're listening to but more importantly i want people to 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 be able to especially now when we're all kind of sitting around not doing a whole lot uh, not able to, to go as many places. I want other people to kind of listen in on conversations to hear what it, you know, what it's like, you know, to be friends. And because I feel like people are missing out on that, you know, um, people miss their friends, they miss their family. And so at any point in time, oh, yeah. when we can kind of sit back and, and have a conversation or listen to people have good, you know, good, clean conversations, good, fun conversations. 
I think that's, uh, to me, that's what the podcast is. Um, and I've gotten some good feedback from people. I've gotten some emails from people and Facebook messages. And I, I appreciate everybody, you know, actually caring and, you know, wanting to listen. But that's why I wanted to have you on because not, not just because you're my friend, but because you're also somebody that I think is important in the industry. You know what you're talking about. You've reviewed a ton of new cars. Um, and I think people want to hear what you, what you got going on. So I can't thank you enough. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot to you too, man. And yeah, I, I gotta say from, from the heart, you know, what uh, kind of what you were saying, what, what I really want people to uh, take away from this is uh, the fact that they need to go to there will be cars and watch my videos. <laughs> that is absolutely 100% exactly what I hope they get from this because it is the most important tidbit of all. Not that the GT500 was great because here's the thing. You can watch there will be cars on YouTube and hear why all these cars are great. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, seriously though. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I think um, people are spending a lot of time indoors. You know, they they want content and they want something that's you know authentic, lighthearted. You know, that that definitely helps. And I mean, you you know, you do such a great job at this and easy to talk to. You definitely know your stuff, not just from you know the the press car level, but from actual ownership and family history and everything. And you know, I, I don't think that's something you, you know, that's necessarily widely available. I mean, you know it extensively from both sides. And, uh, you know, you made talking about it. I mean, I enjoy talking about it anyway, but, you know, you just made it that much better. So, thanks, yeah, man. thanks for having that. me on, man. I really do appreciate that. Yeah. It's it's something that I I try. I, sometimes I feel bad because I've grown up privileged. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, when you're in your mid twenties and your parents have a brand new Aston Martin, you know, uh, V eight vantage convertible in the driveway or in the garage and you get to steal it anytime you want to, or your dad has, you know, a 2005 NSX, the eighth one made that year and you get to steal it and do whatever you want with it. And, and so I've, I've definitely been privileged all of my life, but it's the whole thing is I just love cars. You know, and it's like if I can share that with anybody, that's to me, that's what's most important. I just want to sit down and share it with everybody. I want to hear their opinions. I want to hear, you know, their uh, uh, their analyzations of, of cars and the industry and, and, you know, reviewing something, even if they're not a professional in this industry. I think it's it, I think we get caught up sometimes in being professional because we're professionals at this. But there are sometimes people out there that I've talked to that have gone, you know, I actually own that car. And there was one thing I hated after about a year of ownership. And when they tell me, I'm going, wow, I didn't even think about that after, you know, driving it for a week. That wasn't something on my mind. And so at the end of the day, oh, it's, yeah. it's it's about, you know, you know, giving something to the public that they can enjoy and appreciate. But also, I want to hear their opinions, too. I love that. I love that. Yeah, so. and the passion comes through no matter what you know industry they're in if they if they bought the car the passion's already there absolutely and you know i think that's what unites all of us in terms of being car enthusiasts whether you know you write about them or youtube about them or just happen to own one and you work in a bank or something you know, right passion is the uniting factor yeah absolutely absolutely and that's i mean cars are they can be the great equalizer you know um it, it doesn't matter. I've been around guys that I had an 08 bullet Mustang uh, years ago, back in 2008, 2009. And a guy with oh, a, nice. 
yeah, a guy with a newer Ferrari F430 was like, hey, man, I'll trade you for a day because he loved it. He thought it was cool. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, they are cool. Yeah, I mean, when I having the GT350, when I pull up to places and I talk to people with, you know, GT3s or I talk to people with Ferraris or Lamborghinis or whatever, uh, I don't go to cars and coffee events. I don't really go to car events. But if I see somebody out and I you know, might pull up and talk to somebody or whatever, there are plenty of people that that like a fifty thousand dollar car, even if they own a three hundred thousand dollar car. You know, um, they see as they see just as much cool uh, coolness in you know a, uh, a a Mustang GT as they do in their quarter million dollar or half million dollar supercar. You know, because if you love cars, you love cars. You know, you, yeah, you, and cool is cool. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's one hundred percent. And cool never dies. I remember. I sat down, me and my buddy, we were in a gas station and we saw this guy pull up in a Lamborghini Countach and we were both, <laughs> I, I was more, you know, I was more, uh, you know, starstruck than he was because he, he likes more modern cars than he does classic cars. But mm-hmm. I walked up to this guy and I said, Hey man, you know, wow, beautiful, beautiful Countach. And it was like a, it was like a, um, like a, uh, oh God, it was like a silverish gray color. And he was like, thanks, thanks. I really appreciate it. And we talked for probably 20, 30 minutes in, you know, at that gas station. But he liked talking about cars. He owned two Countaches, you know, and it was like, yeah, but he liked it. He enjoyed it. He, we were young guys. He was an attorney, but he wanted to talk about cars, you know, and we sat there for, again, Mm -hmm. for like 30 minutes talking to this guy. And he's in his, like, at the time, probably mid 40s. And, you know, we're in our mid twenties, early to mid twenties, me and my buddy, Tom. And it was, but it was nice because it was just, he was like, well, what kind of cars do you guys own? And we started talking about what we have. Oh, good. You know, cool car, good car. You know? And, but if you're a car person, it's anything is cool. And that Countach was cool as hell, but the guy was cool as hell. He made the car cooler because his personality was he loved cars, you know? And he was out driving in it, which is amazing. Driving a, just out and about in a Countach, you know, he's like, yeah, oh, it wasn't just... a garage queen. No, he's like, he drives it. He said he drives it, you know, maybe, you know, three or 500 miles a month. He doesn't drive it a whole lot, but he takes it out in good weather and kind of enjoys it for a day. And I'm like, Ooh, enjoys it for a day. Like that's a good feeling, you know? Um, that's a great day too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you get to put 500 miles or more on a Countach in a month, you know, because it's not exact. I mean, it's not something you want to be putting 50,000 miles on in a year. Right. But yeah, it's it's got to be a cool damn feeling to put 500 miles or a thousand miles on it. You know, so. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah man. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, um, well, I, I had uh, I, I got to get going. Yeah. Like you said, but that's one question I had for you is what is one car? that comes to mind that you wish you'd gotten into the biz earlier to drive to like to review as a press car. That's a very good question. I would have to say, um, hmm. you know what I would have to say, it's going to, it's going to sound kind of dumb. Uh, cause I wouldn't have been able to do it anyway, but, uh, the M3 CSL E46 M3 CSL. I was in high school when that car ah. came out and I remember, I wished at that time that I could have been a guy in Europe that could have driven that car. Now, America on the American side, uh, mm-hmm. I would have to say, and I was in, no, you know what? On the American side, I was going to say a GT3 RS 4.0, but you know what? It's really going to come down to the Carrera GT. 
The Carrera GT was the car that I really wish that I could have been 100% in the game driving that and just hobnobbing around with Porsche in that car. That that would have been cool. That would have been really cool. Oh, yeah. That's that's one of those yeah the epics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was in the business during the GT3 RS 4.0, but I wasn't high enough up there where they were inviting me. Uh, but that's another car that I wish where I'm like, oh, God, you know, that would have been amazing. But then again, I also think about the C6 Z06 at the time. That was 2006 um, when that came out. And I remember reading the magazines going, my God, you know, what this would be like. 505 horsepower, like, you know, oh, my God. But now we think, oh, yeah. you know, that's, leader. yeah, right. And now we think, oh, that's, that's nothing. 500 horsepower. What? In a sedan? That's nothing. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, well, look, I'll let, a, you, I'll let you get going. Way. And, uh, okay, yeah. give my best to Ellie. My best to you as well. Oh yeah. No problem, man. Stay safe. Yeah. And same to you and uh, Reba. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I will, uh, I'll definitely chat with you on Instagram and, and via text. Uh, we'll send little love messages back and forth. <laughs> you bromance letters yeah absolutely well bromance bromance uh instagram uh shares is really what it is i think when we share stuff to each other um oh yeah but yeah derek thank you so much it's been fantastic and i wish you all the best today and for the rest of your life even though i'll talk to you for a long time to come um, oh yeah you got it man all right brother well i'll talk to you later thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having me Take all, right. It easy. Bye. all right later bye all right, so as you can tell, still more ass-kissing. Every time somebody comes on the podcast, it's just me kissing their ass. And then in this case, it was Derek kissing my ass. Feels good to have your ass kissed. Kind of like it. Didn't know I needed it. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Derek is a fantastic guy. He's a good friend. I mean, I, I talk to him all the time on Instagram and via text message. And, uh, yeah, so go, you know, follow There Will Be Cars on Instagram and YouTube. Um, yeah, just pay attention to him. Enjoy his content. Uh, he's got great stuff. So, uh, you know, it, it, it really is a special thing where pretty much everybody, I mean, every person that's been on this podcast, uh, it's the same, it's the same thing, which is I was in a dead end job. I was in a job I hated. And so I decided to write about cars. I decided to get into the automotive industry. And it's it, it was me, it was Derek, it was Johnny Lieberman, John Perley Huffman. You know, pretty much everybody you can think of. You know, there's so many people in this industry that, that they just, they loved cars all their lives. And they didn't know how to get in, but they just tried. So just remember that all the things that you do that you don't know how far you can get in this world. Just remember that if you want it, you can do it. You can get into it, whatever it is, whatever it is. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid to meet people. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to shake hands. Well, <laughs> at this point, maybe be a little bit afraid of shaking hands. So instead of shaking hands or touching elbows, hello from afar. <laughs> Practice the method from Demolition Man, where it's the you know, three to six inch away high five with the little round things. I don't even know that little wipe that they did. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Just go on YouTube, search demolition man, high five. That's it. So just remember this week, this week, only two podcasts, 
only two podcasts. So Monday and Friday. <laughs> Next week, Monday and Friday as well. And then, um, yeah. After that, it'll go down to once a week. And then after that, I don't know. I'll do once a week pretty much as long as I can, uh, you know, until I can do, you know, if I need to do twice a month or something like that, which I doubt that. I think I can withstand uh, doing once a week. I think that I don't think that'll be an issue or a problem. Uh, I have enough shit to talk about. I'm full of enough shit. And without further ado, I think I'm going to end this podcast because you know what? At the end of the day, I've got plenty to say, but I'm going to wait till next time. I will see you guys Friday, which is May? Yeah, May 1st. Oh, I was so close, but I did. <laughs> once again, I didn't have my calendar up. I'm such an ass. Uh, but always remember, every morning you wake up, put some of that good old-fashioned freeze-dried Folgers in your cup and listen to the Rawdest Podcast. And of course, happy motoring.